and welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name is Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, I'm just looking his way really quick to see if I said that the right way, because I just went on autopilot and can't remember. It's by four, right? Um, We've done it so many times that I've personally forgotten, but it sounded right to me. It sounded very good, confident. I, I was looking more for the program versus podcast, because I found that pretty amusing that like, we are drifting away from being old dads <laughs> and being hipsters by saying podcast. Obviously. <laughs> I, know, I know I said podcast, but wait, did I say podcast? Yeah, yeah, you definitely <sighs> said know. podcast, yep. Okay, good. Because I remember the buy in for the mnemonic devices, BF, best friends, we're best friends doing a podcast. Or, like so, I said the last time, we should just write it and have it every single time in an outline. But eh, what will we that's ban- boring. But if we do that, what will we banter about for like five minutes for every show, huh? Nothing. <laughs> nothing, nothing, uh, nothing. Did you see the Grammys? Jeez. Wait, were the Grammys? Wasn't that the Oscars? I mean, the Oscars? Oh, crap. (laughs) I actually did watch some of the Oscars. If if any of you have not seen Nomadland, it is is a very good film. Not... Not to be confused with No Man's Sky, the video game, right? Def- I mean, definitely. I don't think Francis McDormand is in No Man's Sky. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> I would guess not. What's the last video game you played that wasn't 2K, out of curiosity? Uh, I actually was just playing... Well, I've been playing FIFA a lot, actually. So I've been playing um, Reus Deportiu, who is a La Liga 2 and I'm already in my second season towards the end of the season, and I'm already in the Premier League in Spain, and I've won the oh, um, the uh, Copa de España. I'm in the semifinals for the EuroLeague Cup, and I, th- I don't know when, but I'm looking forward to the Champions Cup. I think it's after I win the EuroLeague Cup, but yeah, it's actually been pretty fun. I've been playing a ton of it, actually. I've kind of drifted away from, but I'm excited because before I go to Glimmerglass, I'm going to buy MLB The Show because it's on Xbox now. I had no idea. I thought it was just PS4. I think they bumped it over to Xbox just this year, which, dude, I mean, that... That was a big reason why I kept getting PS... I mean, not PlayStation stuff. It was just the show, you know, was exclusively a PlayStation... How about you? What are you, what are you playing other than 2K? I, I played a bunch of Borderlands 3, but I've been meaning to get that Spider-Man game that came out in like 2018. Oh, yeah. But I, I'm super stingy and penny-pinching right now. I 2018, like, the price of that is probably dropping half. You would think. So they've re-released <laughs> it. They've put that Miles Morales expansion pack out, and like the OG game is still like thirty bucks. And I'm just like, come oh, on, you can guys! Like, can pay- thirty bucks. I, I don't want to spend. It's the principle of the matter. It's like <laughs> I should have to pay thirty bucks for like a four-year-old game that's like obsolete <laughs> in two different ways now. It's like that thing should be like fifteen tops. I can go on Facebook Marketplace during this intro and find you that game for like 10 bucks in Colorado Springs from some dude that like will want to meet me at a park at 2 a.m. and sell it to me. Hey man. Yeah, totally. Uh yeah, here's the game. You got my my 5 bucks. Do you got my Dogecoin? No oh, cheaper. Kyle? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See too much. Get out of here. <laughs> Speaking of friends of the podcast, uh, we want to take this time to give a big shout out to all of our friends of the podcast, both on and off the show, who tuned in for the Drafts on Draft NFL First Round live stream this past Thursday. That was a four-hour marathon of a show, and we loved every single minute of it. Reese, how how dead were you after that show? Um, 
I wasn't dead. I was starting to like hit a second wind, but it definitely gave me more appreciation for a bunch of like 50 year old dudes who do that kind of stuff like Fox NFL Sunday albeit they have craft services and lazy boy recliners they're doing it and commercials bar stool in a closet yeah and commercials so you know it's I mean I feel like that kind of outweighs the age gap more than anything else personally yeah I think how did you feel well first uh I'm I'm very proud of us because for us to go four hours, I mean, we've maybe tops gone just under two hours on a podcast. And those are, you know, usually things that we are very confident about or just subject matter that we can talk about for the back of our heads or what is it called? Uh, talk about like the back of our hand. But like doing the draft, even though we prepared a lot for it, like you you still don't know the ins and outs of the Carolina Panthers or, you know, the, uh, the, uh, New York Jets second pick. There's just so much stuff, but for us to like, to, to not even vamp for four hours, but for us to actually run out of time because we had so much content to talk about and kudos to all of the, um, all of our guest correspondents as well, who just like, just brought the fire. I mean, I'm so proud of everyone that was a part of that because I mean, it is, it, it, it truly was a feat. Like, I really can't imagine, you know, Stephen A. Smith doing something, even for the NBA, doing a four-hour thing like that. So, bravo no. to everyone that was there. And if you haven't seen it, make sure that you check it out on uh, all of our podcast apps. Uh, but you can also find it on Facebook Live. I think we have just under 500 views now, which brings our total views of Fountain City Sports Media on a live stream to over 2,000 views, actually. So that's pretty exciting. I guess. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, it's super dope. Thanks to everybody who tuned in, even for like five seconds. Thank you to all of our guests that really helped grease the wheels of that show and make that thing run. Could not have done it without any of you. So... Thank you so much for being there. It was fantastic. Well, moving on from the egg ball to the round ball, we haven't talked about this in a hot second. It's still baseball season, ladies and gentlemen. And last I checked, barring the results of tonight's game, your Kansas City Royals still hold the best record in baseball. So it's, it's, it's super exciting because at the beginning of the year, I know we talked saying like, you know, could this be a potential like wild card sleeper team? You know, how good can we be? Are we still a year away? And I'm not saying we come out of the gates blazing, looking like the 2015 team that it was kind of just like, you know, 162 game coronation ceremony. You know, we were the last team this season with single digit losses. And that didn't come until I believe that would have been the first day of May which is pretty impressive considering all those stats about not winning series since 2015 that I brought up a few episodes ago. So currently, we are top of the AL Central by one and a half games. Armando, my big question to you is, can the Royals keep this up? Oh, totally. Oh, t- I mean, Kansas City fans, pat yourself on the back. You guys not only have the Kansas City Chiefs, but now we have the Kansas City Royals that are ready 
to stonk. I mean, this is such a, a great time to be a Kansas City sports fan. I, I'm I'm so fired up right now. 16 wins, 10 losses. And what's, what's really funny is, is um, the White Sox score differential is plus 28. Ours is negative three, but we're still winning yeah. because we're winners, right? This is, this is a great testament to us to see that score differential because it means that like our guys are actually coming in and like closing games out right we're not just blowing people out but we're actually putting in like very good games so yeah hats off to our like elite relievers I think we have one of the best bullpens in the MLB and I think that's is what is going to sustain us for the rest of the year. Uh, and we're starting to see the uh, the uh, bats come alive. Andrew Benintendi must be listening to this podcast because he has gotten much better. He's actually third on the team now for, um, for batting averages. Carlos Santana is first now since the last time that we talked. He was not, and we put both of them in the spotlight. So I'm definitely happy about both of our acquisitions really getting the money that they were worth um unfortunately the kind of big hole right now is our starting pitching which i know we're going to talk about later but if our bullpen sustains and they will sustain and our batting levels out in a good way right levels a little higher then yes we are a playoff team this is a great team it's such a like they have such good chemistry and like what you're hearing out of mike Matheny, what you're hearing out of danny duffy what you're hearing out of people on that squad it's a pretty exciting time, man. How about you? I think that we can – I don't think we can keep up having the best record in baseball. Like, I, I think there are other teams Fair. that have too much talent that are eventually going to figure it out over the span of the remaining uh, – oh, geez, off the top of my head, what is it, like 140 games at this point, basically? I, we, we have some things that are going in our favor right now, particularly we're 6-1 and one in one-run games, which I know some people say that's unsustainable. I don't know, 2014 and 2015 Royals beg to differ. But what's exciting for me is the fact that we're not even playing our best baseball or putting out our best lineup, which I know some teams might be like, oh, well, you know, such and such is out for our team right now, which is the reason why we're not playing well. It's like, okay, well, our number three hitting shortstop hasn't played all season. One of our best hitters we just gave a four-year contract to was battling with a thumb contusion that had to miss a week and get out of his groove. Our ace pitcher is playing like Garbaggio right now. All right, and we still have like multiple pitching prospects yet to call up this year. So the fact that we have the best record in baseball and in the AL Central as of right now is very encouraging. Now, right behind us, though, we do have our old friends the Chicago White Sox and as you mentioned they have a run differential of plus 28 and if I can show some side-by-side stats here uh, it's gonna be kind of a tale of the tape between us and them currently as you mentioned our weakness is our starting pitching we've got a 4.1 starter ERA versus their 3.03 starter ERA I mean that's that's considerable But then you flip the script back, and as you mentioned, our bullpen is playing pretty well. And we have a 2.9 bullpen ERA compared to a 4.04 bullpen ERA for them. So, I don't know. What do you think is more valuable? Hitting's probably slightly a wash when it comes down to brass tacks. Their their pitchers are better than our pitchers, but do you think we can fend off the White Sox or at the very least get a wild card out of this? Yeah, I... I think right now our hopes are on the wild card, and I think those are pretty good realistic hopes. I don't think we are going to surpass the White Sox because 
They're the White Sox. They're playing extremely well. You know, if our bats were playing to their caliber and if we had maybe two decent starters, right? We have Danny Duffy that's just shelling people, which is amazing to, to see, you know, turning the clock back. But if we had two solid aces... And hopefully, I mean, it, w- it would be better if they were not named Danny Duffy, <laughs> because then, you know, if they had some youth to them, then we know they can go the entire year. If we had that, then yes, I think we can surpass the White Sox. But right now, that is that is not a realistic goal, unfortunately. But again, that's OK. Like our our goals for this year were never to beat the White Sox, right? Those were never, even now, it's not something that we were really looking at. So I think having our eyes on that wild card is um, is doable. It is definitely something to reach for and something that we can definitely intake. Yeah, I'm with you coming into the season. Like I said, I just wanted to finish third in the division and be in the conversation for the second wild card spot, you know, late in the year. I mean, jeepers, it's it's definitely a marathon and not a sprint in this situation, but I would like to see if we can maybe hold off the White Sox. I, I, the only thing I'm worried about is top to bottom, they do have more talent than we do, or at least I should say more mature talent, because as we've mentioned before, a lot of our best players are still babies, man. We got Bobby Witt Jr. hanging out in the minors, Asa Lacey hanging out in the minors, uh, Daniel Lynch just getting his first call to the show this evening. Yeah, and tell I us about it, Reese. Reese, outing. you were able to see some of it. What'd you What'd you see? Well, I mean, people are talking. This was the crown jewel of that 2018 Fab Five I mentioned. You know, Brady Singer obviously got here first. Dububich had a good year last year, not necessarily this year. You know, he's still playing minor league ball. But Daniel Lynch is our southpaw that has potential star ace material. And that's what I kept hearing coming into tonight. And I'll be honest, watching him pitch, he definitely has it. He's like he's like Mark Burley from the White Sox, ironically, in the sense of he is a fast-paced pitcher. He's not taking his time. He's not throwing a bunch of little, you know, like rubber duck pickoff attempts at first base. No, dude, he got the ball. He's like, okay, next pitch. And he just kept dealing. His curves were nasty. He seemed to have pretty good command. I I, I actually just saw his his first strikeout, and that looked yeah. really nasty. I mean, with with no disrespect to Brady Singer and Bubich, who have already been up so far, it's like of the three, this is the one to me that looks like a top of the lineup pitcher in regards to what he can do. I don't I don't think I've ever seen an 85 mile per hour knuckle. Oh, that curve. was nasty. That nasty. Yeah, everyone that's watching, go on Twitter and type in Daniel Lynch, and that's the first thing that's going to pop up. That was his first strikeout of the, of the game today. And if someone does like a nasty curveball, it's 12 to 6. This was like, <laughs> this was 9 to 3. <laughs> that was, it was disgusting. So I'm, I'm super excited to see Daniel Lynch again. I didn't watch today. I was looking at the stats, and it didn't look like it looked good. Um, but the stats sometimes fool you. And after just looking at that, I'm really excited for Daniel Lynch, especially, and we can, we don't have to jump right into this. Well, we can, um, especially because of Brad Keller. What the heck is going on, Reese? Well, I'm a little bit worried about Brad Keller. I've, uh, I've looked at his stats so far this year. He's averaging 4.17 runs per start, only three and two thirds innings per outing. And that's really concerning for the guy who was supposed to be a potential Cy Young sleeper this year. 
particularly in the sense of he's not a you know a blazing pitcher in the way of like you know Syndergaard or Prime Madison Bumgarner by any means, but he's a command kind of guy. And man, the thing he has not had any control of so far has been his command. Do you do you yeah. think how would you say we should fix this? Do you think we should keep sending him out as the way it is to work out his kinks, or do you think we send him out a Triple A and kind of let him get his confidence back and work out some things in some low stress situations? Yeah, I've 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 heard a lot of people suggesting he should go to the minor leagues or or go to the uh to the um alternate site and kind of try out some stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be the best thing to do because the season is so young. And and because people are doing really well like Danny Duffy who is in contention right now for Cy Young with a with a 0.60 ERA which is only second to uh, to Jason DeGrom. Um so having Danny playing really well, having Mike Miner doing decent, right? He's kind of what we we want him to do. He's he, I, I I wouldn't say he's overperforming, but he's doing exactly what we paid him to do. And then Jacob Junis is overperforming right now. He is playing really well. So I think having those three um, factors that we weren't expecting, I think allows Brad Keller to go to the alternate site or to go to the Meyer leagues to kind of fix his stuff because, yeah, it doesn't look good. His, his, uh, his command of the ball is really bad uh, and and it's really unfortunate because like you said he was supposed to be that guy that we were supposed to rely on Keller and then having Singer come in and and really have this breakout season but it's we were really relying on the older guys Danny Duffy Mike Miner which is which is crazy which is something that I was not expecting but this does now allow Keller. So, yes, I think we should put Keller down, fix that. St- man, get get that target right, man. Well, speaking of targets, uh, it's funny that you say Jacob Junis is playing well. He has allowed five runs here in the seven inning, both a three-run and a two-run home run. So, uh, <laughs> oof. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah fine it's fine look okay he's he did have this game today but then also i think the last game he played wasn't great as well but before then we did see a lot of good stuff from jacob junis and i think having him in that fifth spot right having him in the fifth rotation spot really allows him to have a few games here and there that are are not great um so if keller comes back if singer plays well and danny's playing the way he's playing then yes i think the wild card is a no-brainer Wild card is a shoe-in, is a shoe-in if Keller and Singer play well. Here's another big question for you then. Uh, so with Daniel Lynch getting called up to the roster, obviously we're going to have to bump somebody into the bullpen or send somebody down for all of this. Well, finally, we uh, we got rid of um, Jacob Newberry. It uh, took I mean, long enough. I, I think on that very first podcast we were saying, go to Dumpsville, man. Yeah, New- Newberry, old news. Do you, do you think we're going to see Jacob Junis stay in the bullpen, or do you think he's going to be the fifth starter and Keller might get sent down to Omaha? What do you think is going to happen there? I think we have to see more of Daniel Lynch. I know he had a good game today, but I think because Jacob Junis has been playing so well, we have to see a consistency from Daniel Lynch, especially. So right now, we're playing the Indians, but pretty soon we're going to have to be facing the White Sox. We're going to be facing the A's. We're going to be facing some pretty good talent. So I need to see Daniel Lynch play a couple of those before I can say, okay, he's going to be our fifth starter. Because like I said in in 
in our preseason podcast, it would be great if we had some sort of fifth starter and had Jacob Junis as one of our solid bullpen guys because statistically he plays well in the bullpen. So so if we can find a replacement for him and still have Jacob Junis give us like three solid innings in a game when we need him to, then this is a really, really good core pitching. But I still have to see more from Daniel. What do I you think? I think for me, this is a sign that we're going to see Keller probably sent to Omaha or even worse, heaven forbid, that he might have some sort of injury that might need uh, surgery or he might need to be shut down. But if, okay, if, if Keller did have an injury, do you think that they would keep playing him, though? I mean, we're already 25 games into the season. Don't you think that would have been addressed? Because I thought injury as well, but we're so deep into this first half of the season. If they haven't addressed it, I mean, that's that's pretty bonehead. I mean, it, it could be a wait and see sort of thing. Or, I mean, heck, maybe there's something nagging Keller that he's not telling him. What, what's weird is I don't see his velocity going down, which is a good sign. You know, that more so rules out Tommy Johns. It just seems he just doesn't have any right. control right now. So is it the yips? That's why I think that the uh, the timing of calling up Lynch is probably leading to Keller being sent down to Omaha because he's still got all yeah. his options. And, you know, the, the season is not over, but the stretch of games we're in, we're in right now, we got a series against Cleveland followed by a series against the White Sox coming up. Now is not the time to try and figure something out when we have all of these important games coming up. And it looks like we're going to drop tonight, which makes the subsequent games even more important. I mean, what's, what's the score uh, now? It is now 8-3 to three, Cleveland after those what five the heck? runs. I told you Judas gave a five runs. <laughs> oh, gosh, Yeah, Junis. not great. But, but again, this is <laughs> Junis coming out of the bullpen, which he's, he's mostly been kind of the back of the order starter for the year. And... You know, coming into a game halfway through is totally different than starting out the game and getting set the pace yourself. You know, I, I get it. I get it. Right. Um, but, you know, I, this to me says it's probably about the time where I think the uh, the front office and, you know, Matheny are probably starting to throw a bit of spaghetti against the wall in regards to fixing the pitching yeah. order. Just because, like I said, we don't have the luxury of time anymore to have a real wait and see with Brad Keller. Right, and, and especially because we're doing so well, I think that's added pressure to get it right. Uh, I would like to see Asa Lacey as well at some point in the very near future, uh, maybe even being in that bullpen to help out Scott, Scott Scoot Barlow, who, come on, come on, well, Scoot. We I was really rooting for you. Well, we ya. talked more about Matheny not really having set positions for his players coming in. I found it really interesting he'd go to Scott Barlow that early in the game. I know it seems to be his penchant to kind of be like, get me this inning or two, or get me this out or two, and then do another inning after that. So that's kind of his MO. I get it. But so early in the game, I would have rather seen even Stamont out there. Uh, yeah. You know, our, our, friend, uh, our friend Jake Brent's out there. Anybody else, and maybe save Barlow for later on in the game if we need to eat two innings in like the seventh or the eighth. Right. Yeah. It's it, it's it's been pretty tough for for uh, Mike Matheny. So we're gonna have to see what happens there because Wade Davis isn't playing well. Jesse Hahn isn't playing well. Scott Scott Barlow recently hasn't been playing well. Greg Holland has been playing a little bit better. Um, but there's a lot of you know, I. 
now that we're 25 games in, I think we're starting to see the regression to the mean slightly for the bullpen. They're still good, but I think those holes are starting to show, unfortunately. But that gives, like you said, Matheny an option. What are you going to do now? Finally, you took Newberry out, but are, when are you going to bring Asa Lacey in? How much are you going to give to Daniel Lynch? So still a lot of question marks, but still a lot to be hopeful for because, I mean, Stomont still lights out. Zuber and Zimmer, pretty good. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Dude, Zuber and Zimmer, we're just going to call them, call them ZZ Top. <laughs> the two Zs, man. Yeah, they're playing really well. And Jake Brents, like I said, had a had a bad outing, I, I think, a couple days ago against um, the uh, Twins. But overall, for the season, he's way, way overperforming. Jake Brents friend of the podcast speaking about friend of the podcast before we move on uh, i want to shout out a friend of the podcast wyatt mills who was the very first person that we had on in fountain city sports media to interview uh, at that point he was in the minor leagues uh for the seattle mariner system and he just got his uh mlb debut a couple days ago funny fact i was reading some stuff and he he got fined before the game because so many people were uh, were uh, texting him and saying like hey great job and he kept responding to the text that he actually missed batting practice that i guess people from the bullpen have to go at least watch the batting practice so because he was in the uh, the uh, locker room sending texts like oh, i'm so excited he actually got his first fine so that was pretty funny but uh, wyatt mills one one inning pitch and a complete a complete shutout he played really well, and I think he, he's, he's got a bright future. Again, the very first person that we interviewed here in Fountain City Sports Media, so we do not mess around. And I sent him a text after the game. I sent him a text, and he he was very thankful. So uh, hopefully we get him on soon. He texted you back? Yeah, he texted me back. He was like, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Okay, so we've got his number, and apparently we have, we're one degree of a separation away from Patrick Mahomes' number, so we're just going to start like our <laughs> yeah, own Yeah, we're going to have to. Frankie, if, if you're listening in 26 minutes into this Royals podcast, tell us. <laughs> what happened? Phone in right now. Phone in what happened. It's everyone's favorite time of the podcast, and I know it is because we had literally 13 of these on the Draft Livestream podcast. So, lucky 13, lucky for you, we got a great one tonight. And what is it? It's the beer segment. This week in craft beer, ladies and gentlemen. Two parts to this bad boy today. We're going to tell you something going on in the news, and we're also going to review a delicious craft beer for you. So without further ado, what happened this week in craft beer? So on May 21st, it is announced that Dogfish Head Miami will open with a brew pub in Wynwood, which I think is a pretty big deal. Have you ever had Dogfish Head before, Armando? Of course, but what? where is Wynwood? Um, I am not a, uh, a Floridian cartographer <laughs> myself, but by the sounds of it, it sounds like it's somewhere in South Florida. Can any of our friends uh, of the podcast from Florida confirm that? Because I don't want to Google where Wynwood is. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I was hoping it was... I hope I misread it. It was going to say, like, why and dot. I'm like, oh, sweet, we're getting a Dogfish Head beer pub in, in Kansas City, but... That is not to be the case. Uh, Long story short, I, I've been to Dogfish Head beer pubs before on the on the East Coast. They're pretty good times. I love their beer. As I mentioned to uh, Jordan Williams, friend of the podcast, my my first real experience with high quality craft beer was Dogfish Head. So this, you know, speaks to me. This this uh touches me dearly in the heart. So yeah, man, ninety minute, sixty minute, one hundred twenty minute IPA. Mm-hmm. All really, really great beers. And I wonder why they're... Are they called that because that's how long they leave it in, like, the 
The mash? Uh, what is, what's uh, the minutes again? It has to be like some sort of mash quality. Let's see. Yep. Okay. I'll read it right now. Inspired by the con- continual hopping process, we invented with 90-minute, 60-minute builds on that one-of-a-kind process and flavor, crafting a solid gold hit that's found in its own identity. Let's see. Brewed using a boatload of intense Northwest hops, we boil this continually hopped IPA for a full 60 minutes. I wonder what the normal minutes of boiling... You know, that's a, that's a good question. When we get a brewery that's, like, huge on IPAs in here, we'll have to ask him that question. Yeah, we can talk about the boiling and process. I'd be curious what the boiling process would be like for, like you said, a West Coast IPA versus making something like a hazy or a New England-style IPA. Yeah, I'm sure it has to be less... Pro- no, it's probably more boiling process for a west coast because you burn off some of the flavor i'm mm-hmm. sure less for hazy so you can get a little bit more flavor yeah i've have you heard any horror stories uh about the boiling process at boulevard i have not heard any but please enlighten us with some yeah there is a there's a brewery out in colorado um so with the boiling process even if you are a master brewer right your your boiling pot can still boil over at it at any point really there there really is no way to like test it it can really just shoot out at any point and some dude i forgot what brewery it was a brewery in longmont um and he was like right by the the uh, kettle and 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 you're not supposed to be by the kettle because of this thing because it can like spontaneously if you don't have the cap on it can literally just shoot out and this it just shot all over this dude he got like three third degree burns and oh my god pretty awful stuff and like yeah i mean there's so much spontaneity in in the brewing process and just like you know a lot of safety that goes in there obviously so yeah boiling boiling's pretty scary kids jeepers that sounds awful stay away from the boiling kettle a watched pot never boils until it does Ah, anyway i guess it's kind of cool the dogfish heads doing these things i mean albeit they're playing with uh they're playing with Boston Beer Company money now, you know. Oh, that's Adams right. So they're probably, yeah, they're probably going to grow a lot of them out. Yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of those, like, you know, it'll be a brew pub specifically for one brewery. Like, New Belgium, I think, has a few tap rooms in Denver because they're a little farther. Mm-hmm. Odell's actually does have some in Denver, too. Well, and, uh, yeah, New Belgium has that campus out in Asheville, North Carolina, too, don't right. they? Right. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a smart business venture. This sounds interesting to me. It says it'll serve as a one-of-a-kind, multi-sensory experience, giving locals and visitors alike a place to gather and enjoy innovative beers and local food alongside music and art. I think that's probably like the most dogfish head sentence I've ever read in my life. <laughs> it's like the second yep. act of La Boheme. <laughs> oh, gosh. They just open up with like the French Quarter. <laughs> All right, so going from funky, crazy, innovative beers, I think I have the perfect beer to go hand-in-hand with that this evening. For everybody's listening pleasure, I have in my hands a Four Hands Caramel Coconut Cookie Milk Stout. Dude. Yup. Four Hands being one of our brewing friends out in St. Louis, Missouri, that we got to go hit up sometime because I've heard nothing but good things from the from these bad boys i think i've had a few of their beers here and there but like i would like to go get them from the source you know what i'm saying oh absolutely it's uh it's super cool on this because they uh they do a series of these milk stouts and they're all like girl scout cookie flavored but obviously they don't have licensing to do no girl way. scout cookies so they have like 
artwork that looks exactly like, you know, a coconut, uh, what do they call these coconut clusters now? Samoa. Yeah, they got like the thin mints that aren't thin mints, you know, they're called, I don't know, they're called, uh, width, width challenged winter greens or something, I don't know. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. That's funny. We actually haven't done a stout in a while because I I normally don't have stouts because I'm lactose intolerant. Oh, so I didn't know you were lactose intolerant. Yeah, dude. That's- but you probably don't know that because I I do still indulge in like pizza uh-huh. and like cheeseburger. Like it's only to in a certain extent. Yeah, because we spend a lot of time at grinders, man. And absolutely. KC. Then what, what would you get at Winstead's if you couldn't order one of those like Empire State Building milkshakes? <laughs> best burger in kansas city the dude okay not i never said it was the best burger the best burger is flea market first of all second of all it's just a really good aesthetic place at like 2 a.m man it's it's just it's so good it's like it's like going to denny's or going to ihop (laughs) like like you know phoenix and you're in high school and i'm this is actual story you know like you're done with your musical theater you know 1776 production it's just so nice to go to a diner style place it's gosh it's great aesthetics and it's fine food dude pour one out for the the sketchy denny's right off the highway next to the kaufman center it is no more (laughs) (laughs) really is it just gone and they probably got tired of having the FBI come in there all the time. Is my guess. <laughs> there was never anything good going on at that Denny's whenever I went there. I'll tell you what. I think I actually never went there. I only went to the Mexican place. Um, Los Tules, is it? Los Tules. There it is. There you go. Los yeah, Tules, Los Tules has a great blue margarita, ladies and gentlemen. Check it out. All right. Well, Armando, do you want to tell people how this beer review is going to go down for those that might not know? Of course, yeah, because we might have some new listeners from our from our live cast. Maybe one of the one of the uh, New York or or Long Island contingents are oh, yeah. just listening to every podcast again. Shout out to all of our correspondents; you guys were great, and thanks for thanks for listening. All right, so what we're gonna do today? We're gonna go through a ton of categories on um, on the beer. The first one is aroma. The second one is appearance. The third one is flavor. The fourth is mouthfeel. The fifth is aftertaste, and the sixth is an ever-changing one. It's the uh, drinkability quotient, which is basically just how badass is this beer? How amazing is this beer? And there's a ton of different definitions. That's just my definition that's easy and reachable to our audience. But first, Reese, what is the aroma on your stout? Oh, for our ASMR fans. Shout yeah. out to my wife. This beer is so delicious. I can't wait to put it in my glass. Does Noel listen to ASMR on YouTube? No. We both find it creepy. Good. Logan loves it, by the way. She loves ASMR. It's so good to hear. Anyway, <laughs> I'm probably on some list now, anyway. I know, yeah. <laughs> so, the aroma. gets her out there. Hmm. Pour this guy into a glass really quick. I'm going to start sending you asmr videos now that that logan like i thought they were a band and then someone told me that no i'm thinking of some other group <laughs> <laughs> i'm thinking i was thinking of a day I to remember I was thinking, you I'm like, asmr <laughs> it's like some like 2004 emo band that was at warp tour like once in nashville <laughs> we that op- was like covering for afi <laughs> oh geez we opened up for afi's guitar player's side project <laughs> baby's baptism 
Well, getting some really good notes on this. A bunch of milk chocolate. Not dark chocolate like you usually get in some of these stats, but milk Ooh. chocolate here. Definitely picking Warmer. up that coconut smell. Yeah, I mean, truth be told, this smells exactly like a Caramel Delight Samoan cookie from the Girl Scouts. So I'm going to have to say, primarily on the grounds of nailing this, Aroma's a 10. Whoa! Yeah, it's... Maybe your second 10 I've ever heard from your I think your it's mouth? possible. I'm not saying this is the all-time greatest... I know greatest. you've done it once, but that's bold. That's awesome. I'm not saying it's the all-time greatest beer I've ever smelled. You know, I'm sure, like, anybody following, mm. uh, you know, things like the Ryan Heights Cabot would be like, wow, this, throw it out right now. Which is totally <laughs> fine, and I totally get it, you know, but... I'm sure... I'm sure Carlton has a stout here and then. Yeah, he's, he's got... I hope he, I hope he has, like, a four-pack and he's, like, hiding in his fridge. But, anyway... <laughs> Uh, no, just for mimicking a Girl Scout cookie, 110%. That's wow. that's a 10. I'm really looking forward to flavor, but before we do flavor, appearance. This is an incredibly dark brown beer. It is not black. You know, I wouldn't call it black. It It's like the exact same color as this Ikea cube set in front of me, which is like if you stained mahogany with a mahogany stain, so you just double down on it. There's no light getting through this beer whatsoever. The head dissipated pretty quick and is actually hanging onto the sides of the glass more than in the center of the beer itself. It's like the eye of the storm. Uh, a nice lace on the glass that shows that those uh, saccharides are nice and prevalent in this brew. I'm going to say it looks attractive. I'm going to give it a 7.9. All right, 7.9. Okay, how about flavor, the uh, the most anticipated one? And hot take Mondo, I actually don't like Girl Scout cookies. What? Like any of them. Maybe the lemon one. But th which but... lemon one? There's like two of them. There's like the lemonades uh, and there's like the lemon tagalongs or something like that. I think the tagalongs is the one I like. But like, yeah, Logan just brought back the Thin Mints and the Samoas that she got from somewhere, and I I don't like either of them. I don't like coconut and cookies. Really? Freaking and Thin coconut. Mints. I don't, I don't like minty. Like, I don't like mint chocolate chip. Well, I mean, Thin Mints are a top like 10 all-time overrated thing ever. So I'll, I'll, I'll meet you halfway there. <laughs> Airing out the laundry here at Fantasy Sports Media. All not right, a, flavor. Not a top three Girl Scout cookie. So it's... It's very sweet, which I mean, duh, it's a caramel coconut cookie milk stout. Of course, it's sweet. Very sugary sweet. Not sickeningly so. Luckily, a lot of the chocolate, the caramel, and the coconut notes are very subdued and secondary to it. I think I may have, yeah. I, I may have liked a little bit more of a balance between the two. Second sip, not as intense as the first even, but still a very... Tasty beer. They really could have gone way overboard on this. This could be like super thick. It's not. Great job at maintaining the integrity of a milk stout. Just a touch sweet for my taste. So I'm going to put it at a... I'm going to give it another 7.8 instead of going like through the roof with it. Sure. And Reese has a sweet tooth. So for him to say it's too sweet, it's pretty sweet. Too sweet. All right. Well, let's see if you get a sugary mouth feel. So this is what I think does it. It's a milk stout. It's pretty thin. Uh, not game-breakingly thin, but this is the kind of beer that I almost would like on Nitro Tap, maybe, just to give it a bit more of a, you know, velvetiness to the mouthfeel. 
it's only 6.5%, yeah. so it's not going to be like super heavy like an Imperial Stout in the mouth, but it is a little thin. It has the consistency of like a carbonated cocktail almost. Can, can, can you picture that difference between like uh -huh. a cocktail and a, a regular beer? Kind of. I mean, when when I think of carb uh, carbonated cocktail, I think of like yeah, Moscow sort Mule. of, sort of, but just like just just the overall like thinner mouthfeel and the carbonation is not super prevalent. Again, I feel like I'm being super hard on this beer, and that's not the case. Uh, but you know, again, I would say mouthfeel on this is probably a seven point five. It's just a little thin for what I like, especially with these sweeter beers. Yeah. And look, seven, oh, yeah. sevens are still good, you know. I I think I think I think anything lower than a six, I think then yeah. Yeah, I think in, if anything, people probably get us for like being too complimentary to beers. Like if everything's good, then nothing is. <laughs> yeah, like uh, well, what was that one brewery that, that I did a, a, a review for, and I you know gave it sevens, and Kyle thought that it was the end of the world. So Almanac. Yeah. Oh, that's Almanac right. Brewing in uh, in San Francisco, and he was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to the brewery, and I'm gonna have the beer." And I'm like, "I gave it a seven. It's still good. It's just like we've been reviewing like freaking Heady Topper and like Weldworks oh, yeah. and like Boulevard's finest beers. Our palate <laughs> needs to be recalibrated. We're too snobby We're, now. We are we are absolutely spoiled on this podcast. All right, last or well, not last but not least, the penultimate category: aftertaste. Okay, now this is where things start to rebound, and this is why I think there's such a big distinction between flavor and aftertaste. Because like I said, flavor primarily going down, it's a whole bunch of, uh, a lot of sugar and a lot of the chocolate notes, but when you exhale and have a chance to kind of let it sit for like a two or three Mississippi count, that's when it's suddenly like, oh, there's an atmosphere of caramel and coconut hanging out in my mouth. So in those regards, they got it really well. Take another sip. I like that coconutty aftertaste that comes through. And with it being a thinner beer, I think having a more subtle coconut taste goes hand in hand with that pretty well. So on aftertaste, we're going to jump back up to 8.7. So there are okay. distinctions, big distinctions. Excellent. Hey, that's good that we have that. And last but not least, the uh, big drinkability quotient or... The big stonks drinkability quotient. Or buy Dairy Queen cookies. I don't know. <laughs> so I've, I've said a I lot of good parts about this beer. And I think this is an example where the whole is not equal to the sum of the parts. Largely, this feels like a sports car that is having trouble shifting between gears. Nothing is a smooth handoff. The smell is great. Eh, the flavor is a little sweet. Mouth feels a little thin, but the aftertaste is pretty great. The whole thing is just a little disjointed and awkward. Kind of like me trying to walk and be coordinated back when I was about 14 years old. It's not great. And I also have to say my palate's a little spoiled because my all-time favorite milk stout was a test uh, cookie stout that Boulevard put out a few years ago that if you want to talk... Oh my goodness. Legend has Ooh. it, it was a remainder of Tough Kitty that we had left over that they basically ran a bunch of Oreos through, and that was like five and a half. It had the flavor of something that was like 10 or 11, but it was so subtle and like well put together that all those flavors were definitely in harmony and uh, synchronized in a way. I just can't say the same thing about this beer, unfortunately. So for BDQ, 
It's ambitious. It's fun. I love forehands. They did a lot of stuff right on this beer. I'm just going to stick to a BDQ of about 7.5, though. I think that's pretty fair for this beer. All right. So, again, it's a solid beer. We, we've had some hitters on this podcast, but this is definitely a good beer. All right. Thanks, Reese. Thanks for uh, – yeah, we, we have to do more stouts on this. And, you know – consistent uh you know a broken clock is wrong twice a day and sporting kansas city will always be a very solid team three games into this season we talked about we wanted to see four points through three matches kyle in particular called the first two matches correctly he did not predict the thrashing that came in the hands of real salt lake i said i wanted at least four points really really wanted five points Lo and behold, first three matches into this short year so far, we defeated Red Bull New York 2-1, Red Bull New Jersey to some of our friends up in New York City, friends of the podcast. Shout out to Scott. Shout out to Scott. Shout out to Gideon. Uh, Then Orlando, we had a draw, 1-1. That was a frustrating late 79th minute goal we conceded. Not like the dregs of the game, though, so I'll kind of just you know take it for what it is. But we did get destroyed after taking a 1-0 lead against Real Salt Lake. We allowed three unanswered goals and dropped that match 3-1. So, I just want to do a quick temperature check. There's three games down, 31 to go. This season's, oh geez, percentage-wise, this season's probably even younger than the MLB season at this point. Um, But I just want to say, we've had some things that have worked so far this season, and we have had some things that have not worked so far this season. So, Armando, I I want a temperature just really quick. Are you hot on this team from what you've seen? Are you kind of what you expected from this team? Or are you getting a little bit worried about this team so far? Well, if you're thinking about it, the match against RSL is the first time that we've seen a lot of our starters play. And that's a big deal. I mean, for our first match to have like Polito match fit and Johnny Russell there and everybody to have them all there against RSL's tough. So I really can't gauge these first three games at all, honestly. And then Pole Scamp is is been our goalie. Like, like there there's just a lot of um there's a lot of question marks right now on this team and chemistry is not even close to where it can be. So I don't think I can even do a temperature check. Um, I think for what we've done, I think it's fine. It's not what I would have wanted. So I'd say we're lukewarm right now. I don't think anyone's in the hot seat. I don't, I'm not pressing the panic button. I'm just kind of like, all right, cool. Like, it's great that we beat the Red Bulls. I figure that we'd tie with Orlando and yeah, I mean, the first game back for Polito and it's, it's going to be rough and it, it was rough against RSL. So I'm really looking forward to game four, uh, Mother's Day, Austin FC, Matthew McConaughey, Beasler. So <laughs> yeah, we will, uh, we'll, we'll see what happened, but I'll say temperature check. I'm just at a solid, uh, 90, 98.5 baby. So that's probably a good temperature check to have. I mean, it, like you said, this is, I almost want to say it's way too early to be looking into the Magic 8 ball, you know, because you shake that thing up and the little triangle and the blue juice is saying, ask again later, outcome uncertain. Uh, and <laughs> it, it's, it's mostly like you said, it's, 
There's been no consistency. There's been good and there's been bad. Has some of the bad been caused by the fact that, like, we haven't been good? And I said, yes, that's very true. But let's just kind of break some of these things down really quick. First off, I want to talk about what's worked. Uh, primarily, we've seen John Licabusio continuing to take steps forward every year he's been with the team. And so far, he is looking like a future big money transfer. He's got one goal and one assist in three games, but that's not even talking about just the way he's being the field general. The number 10 this year, ladies and gentlemen, has really been setting people up. He's controlled pace pretty well. He's making smart decisions. Against Real Salt Lake, yeah, he seemed to be having a little bit of trouble with the altitude. Some of his passes were kind of off. But Armando, you were telling me that he had some big money transfer options uh, from some Italian squads over the summer. Is that correct? Sure, yeah. No, recently. I mean, in the last couple of weeks, apparently there was an article that came out that, um, of course, sporting is denying. Um, but what came out that there were two Italian Premier League teams that have looked at, 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 at Buzio and uh, sporting didn't even counter it. They just straight up said no to the to the offer. And what I'm hearing is that sporting wants at least 10 million for for Buzio. That's a ton of money. And look, like I said in the beginning of the podcast, I've been playing FIFA and my like really good player that's rated like 78. That is the number one goal scorer in La Liga, like against freaking Madrid and Barcelona. He's worth nine mil. So, I mean, for Sporting to say that, obviously Sporting want Buzio here. But if the price is right, they're, I mean, if they get 10 mil or close to 10 mil, I think they're going to have to take that transfer offer. Well, I mean, you got to remember, we, we paid 10 million for Alan Pulido's transfer fee, you know? So this could kind of be just right. kind of like a tit for tat sort of thing. And Pulido, great as he is, was closing in on 30 when we, you know, got him. But, dude, we're talking about an 18-year-old with an Italian Jeez. passport, John Lucabusio. This is a plug-and-play dude that if your academies over in Italy are half as good as you are, like, confident they are this is a surefire thing man this is a very low risk high reward get so i would say right. if we want some money and you want someone young who's gonna thrash show us the money now speaking of transfer fees and our boy pulito he is also starting to pick up right where he left off now he was not there large part for the first two matches of the season i know he showed up for some you know uh garbage sub time minutes yeah, in the towards the game. end of an orlando exactly but so far in one actual start he's got one start one goal i'm loving what i'm seeing from pulito he's taking shots he's being aggressive i'm not sure i want to play him at a striker position i almost feel like he might be more effective back in the midfield where he can because i mean let's be serious here Polito is the smartest player we have on this team, and he is seeing things in 4D, whereas a lot of MLS players, no disrespect, are still seeing things, you know, in black and white 3D the way they do. Right. So I would just want to put Polito in a spot where he has the best chance to, like, really not just score. He can score whenever he wants, but, like, create goals and set other people up for that. Now, yeah, no, I, I think that's a really good point. Just really quickly, I'm really excited, and you should be as well, Kansas City fans, for Pulido, Busio, and Kyrie Sheldon's actually been showing us a lot of great stuff. Having those three as our forwards, and like you said, we can rotate strikers and stuff. 
but having those three as, as our core, I'm actually very excited for those three, especially because Kyrie and Buzio are young, Pulido kind of helping them along the way, and then having Johnny Russell in there also kind of giving some tips and stuff. I mean, that is a great core, and I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to see them all together. Like, like I've said, we've, we've only seen one solid game like with those three, and we didn't see them last year have that combination. So going forward, that's going to be the big question mark for me. Is this our four that's really or our three that's going to take us to the next step? Because Kyrie seems to really be um, really be doing well. And Dan- Daniel Shallowy, which I don't know if we're going to talk about later, but Daniel Shallowy is doing really well as well. So I'm excited. I'm excited for that offense, man. Well, it's, it's funny you mentioned the fact that like the team really hasn't been together either because, man, sitting back in goal, we have Pulse Camp playing, you know, young potential keeper of the future. It just came out of nowhere that they were just like decimated with the injury bug. I mean, I know the Royals lost Adalberto Mondesi the day before opening day, but we lost like half the squad a few days before our opening match. I mean, we, we've had four points so far despite the injury bug. Primarily, we haven't seen Tim Melia once. That goalie room got decimated because we lost Kendall McIntosh, Brooks Thompson, and we had to sign an emergency keeper from USL Louisville <laughs> FC, Parker Siegfried. <laughs> Now, he's no longer there because we're starting to slowly heal up. Thank you for your time, Parker. We appreciate you <laughs> yeah, coming thank in. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Siegfried. There's a great opera. Oh, my goodness. You. But we still haven't seen Graham Zussi yet. Johnny Russell also only yeah. made his debut against Real Salt Lake. So, you know, like you said, it's too early to tell on some of this stuff. We haven't seen anything probably resembling what the lineup will look like in the back half of the season. So... As Aaron Rodgers once said, R-E-L-A-X, relax. (laughs) Which he's not saying anymore, which I'm sure we'll talk about on another podcast. Uh, But yeah, hats off to to a pull scam for really just hanging in there, honestly. I mean, there were some plays where he is just getting out of the box way too much, especially against Orlando. I mean, we can spend a whole podcast on Orlando and those like VAR turnovers. That was pretty wild. But yeah, I think this is good for Polescamp to get all this experience to kind of figure out he can't be so gutsy and getting out of the box if he just stays in the box and makes a great play I mean that means a lot more than than trying to be the gutsy guy uh, so this has been good for Polescamp uh, but yeah we need we need Amelia back and we need him back now so I don't I, I don't I haven't kept in uh in the news about his injury but hopefully it's nothing way too serious I agree I agree now, speaking of things that might be serious, so I just told you the reasons of things that have worked and why we should be optimistic, but the other side of that coin is there has been some things that have not been working, and primarily, despite our efforts to shore it up in the defense and the midfield, the back half of our team is not looking good. The defense has looked completely lost. That's the only thing I'm going to say. At least the goals aren't in stoppage time, so I don't have to have my heart broken when I'm like 90 seconds away from finally running to the bathroom, but it hasn't been great so far. People like right when the half starts. (laughs) Yes, yeah, right when the half starts. Thank you, everybody. Uh, People still look out of place. Nobody seems to be aggressive or certain of their assignments. I'll just go back and say check out the second goal scored by Ricky O'Rubin against Real Salt Lake recently. That was uh, uh I mean that was the equivalent of like a you know Allen Iverson just like dribbling and like breaking the ankles of three guys because that's what it was it was it was a three on one he juked out three guys nobody wanted to commit to tackling him and subsequently he put a long one in so not great 
Uh, you know, it's what have you seen from the defense? Do you see any signs of improvement, or does this just kind of look like season three and a half now of bashing our head against the wall? Well, I'm I'm definitely disappointed of EC because EC had, especially in that um, Orlando game, didn't look great against Nani, and then also in the uh, RSL game, I mean, people just looked out of position in, in two of those goals, and that was really disappointing. Jalen Lindsay, I think, has really held his own, and I think it's going to be interesting to see going forward. When Zussi does come back, is Zussi going to take Jalen Lindsay's spot? I actually like the way that Jalen Lindsay's been playing. Jalen Lindsay, I mean, we threw him into the fire when when we played Orlando, when he was up against Nani as well, and he actually looked good against Nani, and he didn't look too bad against RSL as well, against their premier, you know, offense. We're going to have to see going forward, is Graham Zussi going to take that spot? I think Graham wasn't expecting Jalen Lindsay to be competitive for that spot. So once he's healthy, we'll see if there's a competition there. But uh, Jalen Lindsay's the only one that I've liked. Covid Rod, eh, whatever. EC, eh. I, I've been pretty disappointed with, with those guys. Um, so we'll see what happens going forward, but something has to be done there. Totally. I fully agree. Now here's here's another part of the defense as we mentioned. We have Pulse Camp starting. So far, he's allowed five goals through three games, no clean sheets. Unfortunately, if we're going to do the math here, that is closer to the wrong side of two goals allowed per game, and you're just not going to put a lot of points up in the fixtures if you're allowing two goals per game here. Now speaking more of the recent Real Salt Lake thrashing, honestly, I hate to say it, Melia probably stops one, if not two, two of those oh, three goals at least one I yep mean, and then also in the orlando game with all those var's we would never have any of those var turnovers if melee was there no i i, I agree and and again john poles can't be super young he's doing his best you know i i like him i still think there's a good chance he might be the future a keeper but for right now i mean i'm not saying pull him but I'm just get well soon, Melia. Yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. Is get yeah. well soon. And 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 just like I t- I've talked about in the past as well, when it comes to to goalkeepers, when you age, you age like fine wine. The younger the goalkeeper, the worse that person is the older the goalkeeper they actually tend to be better so it's okay he's young he's getting a lot of experience i understand and like you said we have 31 more games to go it's fine it's fine but uh, if melee doesn't come back then i'm going to start hitting the panic button (laughs) well (laughs) so speaking of panic buttons and things again we are going to trust in peter vermees but he's been doing the kc shuffle for over a year now and what i mean by that is there is no lineup that he is sticking with. And I understand this season, as we mentioned, he's been dealing with a lot of injuries, so he's got to do a lot of plug and play. But we even said this a lot last year when he had a consistent number of players playing every game. He's like, well, I'm going to try this guy here today. Well, now I'm going to try this guy here today. Okay, well, now he's not going to start, and then next match I might put him back in midfield or something. And it's just like, we need some sort of cohesion and consistency in this lineup. And... Part of this is self-inflicted. For example, Johnny Russell being moved to the left side against Real Salt Lake was absolutely ineffective. And he's your captain. (laughs) Why wouldn't you put your captain at his primary side and position? That makes no sense. Because he's he's doing this as though he's still looking at the academy. 
I get that he's looking at the academy and like I'm willing to screw even when the Royals started this year and they had that lineup on paper that looked like the absolutely correct lineup to do they eventually tweaked it when they realized that that wasn't the best lineup for them to do with the way the players were hitting but I mean just keep things in that first lineup frame that's uh, hard to say keep things in that first lineup frame of mind Vermees you know just have players playing what is their optimal positions and just see if that is going to be good enough going forward. Give it a few give it a few matches, see if it sticks. But that's just my two cents. He's making a bunch of money coaching or managing soccer and I am not. Yeah, I mean I I don't know what what we're going to see for the next match. I don't do do you think that we put in um Kendall McIntosh as goalkeeper? Uh, I don't think so yet. I still think they're all in on Pulse Camp for the time being. I I think perhaps if Melia's injury or whatever ails him turns out to be far worse than we think, and this kind of continues for another match or two, then maybe we'll see a Macintosh appearance. But for now, I think they're going to roll with Pulse Camp as the keeper of the future. Personally, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it'll it'll be interesting to see. You know, we'll see what he looks like at goalkeeper. Johnny Russell, like you said, at the wing. Um, Daniel Shallowy, if we have him in, and then maybe Kyrie Sheldon comes in at the back half of the game, uh, the back half of the match, that might be a good little switch there. Obviously, Polito at center forward. Um, and then center backs, <laughs> it could be anybody. It could be Fontas. It could be Puncic. It could be Isi. It could be, you know, I don't, I don't know, man. But well, there definitely has to be some... Uh, some Peter Vermees like switch it up in the center back and left back. Well, what's so confusing for me is, as you alluded to earlier, a lot of these guys are academy players. So you know how they should play because a lot of them have been overlapping and playing with each other through the academy, correct? So it's not like these are a bunch of like acquisitions we've had and we're like, okay, what's the best way to make the Brooklyn Nets cohesive right now? Where you just like, you got everybody that can do everything. No, these are your boys that you've brought up since they were young. It's like, you know where they play. You know the best way to play them. Just stick with your instinct, man. Stick with your instinct. Yeah. Well, so last but not least, I just want to ask, uh, I know we took a temperature check, but I think that's completely different than a grade so far for this season. So what would you give a grade to this team so far through three matches and have your expectations for the season shifted at all, given by what you've seen? Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> I will give them a B- minus because I understand the situation. I know Polito wasn't here. Johnny Russell wasn't here. Millie is not here. You know, Pulse Camp's doing the best he can. So I think a B minus is fine because of what the situation was. Uh, my expectations, I was definitely more positive about them, but I am less positive because of what I've seen with the defenders. Like I said, Jalen Lindsay's been doing great, but EC, Martins, Puncic, Dia, Fondas, we still have to see a lot more production from those guys. Um, so I am a little less positive, but. You know, Johnny Russell, Shallowy, Sheldon, Buzio, and Polito can change my mind very quickly if they wanted to. I like your B minus grade. Uh, I'm going to be super stickler right now and say B minus, particularly because things did not fall the way I thought they would, given I expected four points in the first three matches. You know, we all agreed we thought they'd beat the Red Bulls. 
I would have felt better had they lost to Orlando and then, I don't know, had some sort of crazy rivalry tie with Salt Lake. I know Salt Lake's come out really hot in their first couple matches so far, but the fact that we got shellacked by them has me a little bit concerned. Um, Again, I'm going to talk back more on the fact that we've had a lot of injuries and we haven't had any consistency in the lineup. But I expected this to look like a B team coming out through the first three matches. And so far, I think given the defensive deficiencies, the injuries, and the inconsistent play, I'm going to say it looks more like a B-minus squad to me. I concur. All right. Well, Armando, we are coming towards the end of this podcast. Is there anything else you want to share with us about this about this show, about your coming week? Um, you know, what am I doing this week? You know, I'm just doing my, my thing. I got some operas coming up. I, I actually just bought a heavy-duty heavy printer. Really? Because uh, I had to print out, I had to print out like 800 pages of music. And then when I went to FedEx, just to print out one score, it was going to be $200 to print out just one opera at FedEx. Because it was like 65 cents a page now. So I just told my wife, I was like, screw it. I went I went to Office Max. I bought, you know, it wasn't super expensive, but it was like middle of the road. I said, hey, I have, I'm a music guy. I, I got to print out over a thousand pages of music. What's a heavy duty printer? That's a good value. So, uh, so yeah, I'm just going to be learning music. And I, I love this new printer. I printed out a thousand pages in the blink of an eye. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content, including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at fountaincitysportsmedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. 